Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal, where our goal is to change the way you practice dentistry by helping you achieve clinical, financial, and personal balance. Now, here's your host, T-Bone. It's another flashback episode where T-Bone was featured on the Thriving Dentist Podcast. Enjoy. I'm very excited to have a great friend of mine, long-standing friend of mine, uh, from Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, Tarun, how are you? I'm good, Gary. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Uh, Tarun and I have been friends for uh, many years online. Uh, gosh, it feels like uh, I- I've known you forever. I can only keep friends online because the ones that see me personally uh, on a physical basis typically can't stand me after a while. <laughs> hey, I will uh, I will politely take issue with that because uh, uh, I, I really love spending time with you. I remember the first time we met face to face. I think we spent about uh, I think we had about a four hour dinner. And, don't tell uh, my wife. <laughs> exactly. I think we had about a four hour dinner and, uh, it, it was, it was like I was uh, visiting a long lost friend and, uh, there was one common thread that connected us. And that was this wonderful profession of dentistry. Uh, do you remember that meeting Tarun? I do. I remember I was out visiting Scottsdale and I gave you a buzz and I said, let's get together. It's been too many years. So, um, it was fun. I remember that uh, that, that evening very fondly. <laughs> well, hey, we're continuing that today. And uh, hey, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Uh, uh, for those of you that don't know Tarun, uh, let me take a minute. And by the way, you'd have to be living in a cave to, to not know who T-Bone is. <laughs> I, you know, I've been fortunate to get out there a little bit. Hey, you, you, you are the first guest I've had on the Thriving Dentist Show. This is the 170th show, but uh, I know you'll find this hard to believe, but you are the first guest by the name of T-Bone I've so, had on the show. Unbelievable. <laughs> I thought that was a very common name here in America. <laughs> That's right. Uh, hey, if, if in case you aren't familiar uh, with, with Tarun, uh, let me take a minute and give you a little bit of background. So, uh, Tarun, would you do me a favor and, and listen to this bio and keep me honest? Oh, God, I hate this part, but sure, I will do it. <laughs> uh, Tarun Agarwal uh, practices uh, full-time in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, one of the things I love about him is he is uh, part of the new generation of dentists. He's uh, a very young dentist, but 
at the same time, extremely accomplished. You've accomplished in a very short period of time uh, what uh, what many dentists won't accomplish in their lifetime. Uh, but you're a respected speaker, author, uh, opinion leader. You're really changing the way general dentists practice today. And uh, what I like most about you is your common sense approach, uh, your, your dedication to clinical excellence, and how you've been able to integrate technology uh, along with just a down-to-earth personal demeanor. Uh, hey, how's that for a, for an introduction, Trun? Did I do just, justice at all? I don't think a PR firm could have written that any better. <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, uh, Trun, I uh, love the way you bring a very practical approach to uh, to some very challenging topics. Uh, you know, I've always considered it uh, quite a skill to be able to take a complex subject and and to simplify it down to its most basic. And uh, you do that uh, with, with technology. Uh, you do that in your courses. You do that in your lectures. Uh, you know, it's one of the things I really like about Frank Spear. Frank is able to take uh, a very complex topic and distill it down uh, to its basic tenets and, and present it in a way that makes sense to everyone. And uh, like Frank, you have that skill as well. Uh, so let me take my hat off to you, Turin. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the only thing, uh, the only big difference between me and Frank is he actually knows what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, yes, he does. And, and, and so do you. So, but I do want to emphasize you are, uh, besides, uh, lecturing and teaching, uh, you're a full-time practitioner, uh, there in, in Raleigh, uh, had yes. a chance to meet your wonderful team. I was there lecturing, uh, uh, in Raleigh, uh, back in January and had a chance to, yeah. to meet your wonderful team. And, uh, I took one look at your team and I instantly knew why you're so successful. Um, yes, it's all about them. <laughs> you know, we joke about that, but uh, uh, in all seriousness, yeah, your team uh, absolutely stood out as passionate uh, people who uh, are, are very skilled, and uh, you've done a great job of assembling a great team. Yeah, I've been very lucky in that, in that part of it. Um, I, I don't know if it's luck or just dumb luck or uh, if people are drawn to each other, but uh, I would say that we owe all our success to the people around us. I suspect that it's a combination of, of a lot of things, but uh, I do su- suspect there's some power in attraction. Uh, I know that uh, your practice has a reputation for uh, for being the practice uh, to work for uh, in the area, and uh, you've been able to attract uh, some really bright, been, been able to attract and keep uh, some very good team members. Yeah, we've been, uh, again, we've been lucky on that. Yeah. Hey, if you don't mind, Tarun, can, can we dive right in? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's make this happen. You bet. Hey, uh, let's talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, uh, which is uh, how to thrive today in an insurance environment. Uh, I know you and I share uh, many common uh, philosophies about this. And, uh, you know, to refresh our listeners' um, uh, memory on this, when Paul and I bought our practice in May of 07, uh, the previous dentist participated with many, many, many PPO plans. I believe we had 34 uh, in place. Can you believe that, Tarun? That is a boatload. <laughs> exactly. I didn't know there were 34 uh, PPO plans in Arizona. However, we quickly discovered that. And over time, we made some decisions that allowed us to reduce our insurance dependency. And today, uh, we are a PPO provider of one insurance plan, and that's actually Delta Premier. Uh, Tarun, here in, in uh, Arizona, you can be a Premier member and not be a PPO member. And uh, currently, the only plan that we participate in is a Delta Premier member. So we've uh, systematically eliminated the other 33 or we've resigned from the other 33. Lucky for you. I wish I could get to that level. <laughs> now that's not to say that we're not insurance friendly. 
Uh, I like to think that we're very insurance friendly. Uh, we're very happy to help our patients uh, with their insurance benefits. We're happy to uh, file the necessary paperwork. We're happy to go bat to go to bat for them uh, when it comes to helping them uh, gain their full coverage. Uh, however, in terms of the contractual obligations that we have, uh, we're, we're down to uh, just Delta uh, Premier, and we've done that in a very tough environment. Turin, you 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 come out no, to Arizona quite a bit. It's, yeah. uh, it's you, not easy. It's yeah, not easy at all. It's competitive, and uh, it's been hit very hard by the downturn in the economy. So, hey, let's talk a little bit about this. Um, what do you think is necessary for dentists to thrive in, in an insurance environment today? You know, I, I, I always think that the first thing is acceptance. I mean, you have to mentally be committed to it. And, and what I mean by that, you can't have one foot in the door and you can't badmouth insurance and say all these things about it, but yet do it because you're not really committed to it or embracing it. And so that was the hardest thing for me in the beginning was truly embracing it, that this is okay and it doesn't truly affect the way we treatment plan or the type of dentistry that we do or that we, you know, provide to our patients. So acceptance was the first key. And then, you know, from there, uh, the next step was deciding that we will not let insurance dictate what we recommend to our patients. Now, certainly it plays a role in what patients choose to to accept or how much they choose to accept. And that really comes into the other things that we're doing to make that better. Um, and then, you know, the most important thing that we've done is, is digital photography. Mm. Um, anytime that we can take a patient and, and this is not about insurance practice, this is every practice when you can take a patient and, and most people are skeptical by nature and you can say to them, listen, let me show you what I see. Let's see together. And we can show them the pictures and we can show them printed pictures. We can put on an iPad. We can put on a monitor. Uh, it really lets people understand better what's going on in the mouth. And then people start diagnosing themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, photography has made a tremendous difference. I mean, it's the most important thing that we've ever done in our practice. And we've got all kinds of technology. But I will always come back to photography as the most important thing. It's a thing I spend the most time on in our practice in, in the sense of, drilling it into our team members of how important it is and making sure that we always have it. I mean, it is by bar none, the most important thing. And what I tell people on photography is don't get caught up in needing a fancy camera. And th those are the ones that we use because we're very versed in it now, but just take something, mm -hmm. just start with something. And, you know, when I talk to dentists, they always say, you know, what photographs do you take? You know, when do I take what? I say, it's just like when a patient comes in, when I say four bite wings, you know exactly what that means to you. So when I say photographic series to my teams, it means exactly something. And we take six photos on every patient that walks in the door. We take a full face. We take a smile. We take a retracted smile with the teeth slightly open so we see the edges of the teeth. We take an upper arch photograph. We take a lower arch photograph. And we take what I call the hygiene shot, which is the uh, linguals of the lower anterior teeth. Uh, in a close-up ah, manner. I love it. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's. Awesome. I'm going to add that last one to our yeah. series. True. And hey, can we go back and talk? About, you mentioned um, you used the term acceptance. Yes. Um, can we go back to that for just a minute? Oh, well, it's your show, man. I'll just go where you go. <laughs> Let's go back to that for just a minute. And I, I'm going to, uh, the, the term that I would use, you use the term acceptance and I'm going to, I'm going to reframe that to commitment. So, uh, you know, in other words, to make this work, we've, we've got to be committed to it. Are, are we using the same terminology there? 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, we have the same meaning, absolutely. Yeah. So, hey, you know, this is where I wish uh, we had a video uh, format for this show. You know, I've chosen audio because it's so easy for our listeners to consume. But I'm going to ask our listeners to uh, just just kind of draw a picture in your mind. Hey, hey Tarun, in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, around the first of the year, usually it's done January 1st, do they have uh, polar bear uh, swim events where, where crazy people go in, in ice cold water on January 1st to kind of kick off the new year. Do they do that in Raleigh, North Carolina? Some people do that. Yes. <laughs> I, I call them idiots. But that's <laughs> there okay. we go. Well, I, I pretty much, uh, you know, they do that all over, uh, all over the world. And here's what I want to ask you, Tarun. Have you ever watched those events like maybe on TV or it's on the evening news or whatever? Uh, I have. And you never notice someone, you know, when it's, uh, say up in Buffalo, New York and the temperature is, you know, minus 10 and they've chiseled the ice away from the lake for these crazy people to go jump in. They never just like dip a toe in and then kind of slide. Oh. Slide in, in, do they? No, they jump right in. And <laughs> they, they don't. They don't. They don't just. They don't just like. They don't like meander their way in. They jump. Right I, and I, I've never done this, but I think that's the only way to successfully do it. You know, it's like you just have to be committed and, and go for it. And in the same way, I'd ask our listeners to kind of think about this uh, when it comes to pretty much anything we talk about in the show uh, today, whether it be our, our approach to insurance or our approach to technology. Jump right in, man. Uh, don't just stick a toe in the water. J- jump right in. But hey, let's go back to photography. So you take those six series and you, you call it your digital series and your whole team knows what that means. Carry forward. What else do you do? What do you do with them once you've taken them? Well, the first thing we always do is we, we enter them into our practice management software. In our office, we're using EagleSoft, but whether you're using Dentrix, SoftDent, it doesn't matter. You, you need to put them in some type of organization built into your patient chart. And then we'll print them, of course. And then we'll have some method of showing them to the patient, whether that's via a tablet or mm-hmm. whether that's via a television screen. Um, we, we have some way of showing them to the patient. And that's the key part is taking the photographs isn't enough. It's, you got to show I me mean, what's, what good, I don't need the photograph. My patients need the photograph. Drew, can so. I share, can I share an amusing story with you? Uh, of course. <laughs> this is a, a long-standing client of mine. I'll, I'll leave him nameless uh, so that uh, I don't embarrass him, but I'll just leave him nameless. But this is a client of mine in the Chicago area. And this goes back about uh, three years ago, Turin. And I had introduced the idea of him taking digital photos uh, on his patients, uh, a series of six simple digital uh, photos. And I showed him, you know, the six, the six photos to take. I recommended a, a very simple dental point and shoot camera. So it'd be very easy to do. And, you know, uh, recommended that he schedule a, uh, in service training with his team during lunch one day where they'd practice taking pictures of each other. And so they'd, they'd learn, you know, the assistants would learn how to take these photos. Anyway, about two months later, I visited his practice as a follow up. And, uh, at dinner the night before, uh, he said to me, he said, you know, Gary, I, I don't want to be, I, I don't mean to be a complainer, but, um, you know, we've, we've been taking those photos and it doesn't seem to be doing anything for our practice. I said, wow, really? Wow. That's, I can't, hmm. I was kind of baffled. I said, wow, I just haven't never bumped in. And everyone else says, wow, they've made such a big difference in the practice. I said, doctor, what does the patient say when you show them the photos? He goes, never mind. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've not been showing the photos to your patients? He goes, no, we haven't gotten to that part yet. Um, I, I, maybe I, I, I didn't fully understand the concept here. 
No, wow. wow. So, so he was Some people, a, you have to spell it out for them. Don't <laughs> apparently you? so. So, hey, guys, I, I, just for the listener's benefit, we're, we're talking about taking the photos and then actually showing them to the patients. What do you think, Turin? Is that, is that, does that help us complete the project here a little bit? <laughs> well, I would even take it one more step. I think you got to print them and give them to them as well. Hey, there we go. There we go. By the way, of all the different methods of showing uh, them, and there are many different ways we can show them. You know, we can print them out and draw on them. Uh, you can put them up on a monitor, you know, these days. We can put them on TV. We can put them on a, a, a notebook. I do like putting them on a notebook and leaving in the patient's lap and doing a, a trick that I learned from Frank, which is, uh, you know, take the photos, put them on a tablet, put the tablet in the patient's lap and make an excuse to leave the room. You know, uh, so Tarun, if you were my patient, I was the assistant, I might say, hey, Tarun, remember the pictures we took earlier in the appointment? I've loaded them here on this tablet. Here, here it is. And I'd hand them to you. And I'd give you a quick tutorial on how to look at the photos. Just, you know, flick your finger if you want to see the next one and pinch your fingers outward if you want to zoom in. Here, go ahead and try. And then I'd make an excuse to leave the room. Turn, I need to get some things ready for the next patient. While I'm out of the room, would you do me a favor and take a look at those photos? And when doctor and I come back in the room, uh, we'll be happy to spend as much time as you like answering any questions you have. I'll be right back and leave the room. It's all theater. You don't have to leave the room. It's, it's theatric. But what I learned from Frank is that uh, when the patient is left alone with their photos, nearly everyone gets into those photos and they start zooming into infinity and they start seeing things in their mouth that they have never seen before. And it's a powerful, powerful exercise. Well, it's the most important thing. I always, the analogy I use is I, I like to use females as my analogy is, is how many women that go to buy makeup just buy the makeup without trying it on and looking in the mirror. <laughs> there you go. And, and, and photographs are just looking in the mirror. And, and people don't naturally look in the mirror at their teeth the way we do. So we have to help them do that. Yeah. And, and people are stuck in the mentality, if it doesn't hurt, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a way to let people know. And, and the vast majority of people do want to proactively take care of the things. They just don't know they need it done. And then they just don't trust you enough. And, and photography gets past both of those issues. Right. You know, we hear uh, two common reactions from the patient when we show them the, the photos. The first common reaction that we hear is, wow, I've never seen my teeth like this before. And the second comment that we usually hear right on the heels of that one is, oh, yuck, ooh, ooh. And they start showing us the things they don't like, which is perfect because now they are seeing their teeth in the way that we see their teeth. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're, you're really doing a tremendous educational connection there, you know, with the patient where they're starting to see uh, the issues. You know, that upper occlusal view, for example, uh, or the lower occlusal view, where we're looking at the lower arch. You know, I can't tell you how many times we have uh, that conversation has led to adult braces, um, yeah. adult ortho, because the patient, wow, I didn't realize my teeth were that crooked. I didn't realize they were that crowded. And then when they look, you know, it's like that helicopter shot looking down on the lower arch. All of a sudden they can see it. And it's like, wow, I never realized that. You, you know, know. It's, and it's interesting. As you speak of ortho, I think of one of that. That's a great thing that helps people thrive in the insurance environment because ortho typically isn't one of those insurance driven procedures. And, you know, I, I always challenge people is, is if you can just add one ortho case per month to your practice, 
that's another fifty, sixty thousand dollars in revenue to your practice. Great. And then if you just build from there, too often what I see with people is is they're trying to they want to become an orthopractice or they want to really focus like that's all I do. I'm like, listen, just just you know learn learn to crawl and just do one or two cases per month, and then 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 worry about doing one a week or one every other week, and then one a week, and then before you know it, uh, it's becoming a bigger part of your practice. And then you know along those lines with orthodontics, you know understand that there's more more options than just clear liners and traditional brackets. There mm-hmm. are removable appliance therapy. There's the Inman aligner. There's different things that are more economical and affordable for your patients and to make it easy for them to say yes. Yeah, you're right. You know, you raise a great point that uh, one of the best ways to sort of uh, insulate your practice from insurance is to provide services that aren't covered by insurance. Yeah, you know, just, you know, be a, be a, provide people with things they want. I mean, mm-hmm. not, be, listen, uh, I, and I firmly believe this. If you are a crown and bridge restorative only practice, you're going to die a slow death. I mean, it's just that that's just the way our profession is moving. Um, if you want to thrive and survive and do well, uh, you, you're going to have to expand your services. And, and that's what we've done over the last 10 years is really worked on expanding our services and expanding the services within the services, the orthodontics being a great example. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of which, this gives us a nice chance to uh, kind of transition to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is uh, which is technology. You know, Tarun, I uh, I like to refer to you as a nerd, and yes. uh, I'm using that as a term of endearment. I, I hope you accept it in the spirit in which it's delivered, because uh, I am a fellow nerd. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I am Brown from India. We are the tech, tech support capital of the world. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, when I refer to you as a nerd, please, please understand that's a, a term of endearment. Uh, but uh, you've embraced some very cool technology in, in your practice. Can you talk about a couple that you think are uh, perhaps the most important technologies? Well, three things come to mind. One is my digital camera, as we talked about earlier. That's mm-hmm. always top of my list. Uh, two will be our, our CAD CAM system. We use CEREC in our office to deliver what I consider patient, what I call patient centric uh, visits to our patient. And then the third thing, which has probably had uh, beyond the camera, the biggest impact in, in our practice has been our 3D imaging machine mm. uh, that's really allowed us to really move forward in this digital implantology and diagnosis. And it's really, in the last five years, really shaped our practice quite differently uh, than I expected uh, in a very positive way. Hey, so let's go back to the camera. Uh, I I completely agree with what you said earlier about the fact that you don't need to have a uh, sophisticated five, six, seven thousand dollar camera. Like you, uh, we, we have uh, two types of cameras in our practice. Paul and Tim both have Canon D. I think they're D50s, D40s, yeah. D50s uh, with uh, ring flashes, and I think they weigh about thirty five pounds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the, the lens is about two feet long. I'm exaggerating, but not by but, much. You no, know, yeah, uh, not by much. No. <laughs> but you know, it, let's face it: if a patient comes in for Paul, and, and uh, you know they're coming in, and and right from the very beginning they want a smile design, then Paul will take the full AACD series uh, using the Canon D50. But that's not what we do on every new patient. That doesn't make sense. Would you agree, Tarun? <laughs> Oh, God. We take a series of six, and uh, we have uh, simple dental point-and-shoot cameras that uh, weigh a matter of ounces. The, the assistants can hold them in one hand, and they take fantastic photos for this application. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They're great. I call those hygiene cameras. There we go, hygiene cameras, yeah. And and by the way, we can have multiple. We, we should have a camera in each hop. 
you know. Uh, no, and, and that that's that's um. The, if I would tell people, you know, it's interesting. Like we're we're interviewing for various positions in our office, you know, relatively constantly, um, because I always believe in looking for good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it's amazing how many people I interview and I ask about photographs, and they all say, "Well, we don't really take photographs, or only the doctor takes photographs, or we have this right. one camera that only he he or she knows how to use." Uh, so I, I believe that every operatory should have its own dedicated camera. And, when, and I want to clarify one thing. When I say camera, I mean a camera. I don't mean an intraoral camera. A I'm point. not, a, I'm not a fan of intraoral cameras personally. I think they work well. I think they're good. But not, it's not. I don't think as you build your practice and move beyond single-tooth dentistry, I don't think intraoral cameras are worthwhile experiences for, for people. You raise such a great point there, Trim, because uh, I, I, if if you want to do more single-tooth dentistry, use an intraoral camera. Uh, yep. You know, we can... Tarun, you have a crack in your tooth. Let me show it to you. Boom. Yeah. Um, as soon as we go into digital uh, photography using a camera and showing arch forms, it opens up the conversation more from a tooth conversation to a smile conversation. Yeah. And uh, you can still zoom into that tooth. You I can mean, zoom into infinity. Yeah. You can zoom in without loss of clarity. In fact, I'd say it looks better than the intraoral camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to have one for every operatory. And then, you know, the other thing I learned probably about five years ago, I, I would ask my hygienist, uh, you know, why, why, why don't we have a photograph on this patient? She says, well, I'm out of mirrors and retractors. And I said, well, that, that sucks. I mean, that's silly. So I said, how many do we need to get through a day? And they said, well, if we had nine sets, we'd get through a day. So two days later, without, we had without nine doing, sets. Without doing dishes, you'd, you'd have... With, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's the goal because, you know, I, I don't want any excuses. So the, the, within a couple of days, we had nine sets for each hygienist. So they, they there's no reason. So I take away the excuses. Oh, my, the camera, so-and-so was using the camera or you had the camera or or you had my uh, memory card. No problem. Every, every operatory gets their own camera, their own memory card, their own reader, everything. And then every operatory gets enough mirrors and retractors to get you through an entire day. Wow. Great point. I mean, don't let uh, a bottleneck be, you know, inexpensive uh, mirrors and retractors. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're a hundred bucks a set, if that, yeah. if that. Yeah. Hey, you know, Tarun, when you mentioned that you're always interviewing for uh, team members, uh, that's interesting because when I met your team out in Raleigh, they said they're always interviewing for a new doctor too. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> it, it, well, it goes both ways. Absolutely. With, with me, it goes both ways. I get that. The tongue firmly planted in cheek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's okay. That's probably very true, actually. Hey, uh, l- let's talk about Serac. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, can I share a, an interesting bit of trivia? I would love to. So yeah, uh, uh, this is something I don't think I've ever uh, shared with our listeners, but uh, the year was 1986, 1986. And Dr. Omar Reed uh, introduced the predecessor to the CERAC. It was uh, a system that was being developed by Francois Duray, the uh, French dentist. He was in uh, on a uh, exchange program at, at USC. He was teaching at USC. This was the system that went on to become CERAC. And I was on stage with Dr. Reed in 1986 at the Chicago Midwinter Meeting introducing what became CERAC, introducing CAD-CAM dentistry to the dental profession. Tarun, that room, uh, we were in the ballroom at the Chicago Midwinter Meeting. I think it's at that particular meeting, I think it, it seated about uh, 3,000 dentists. And that room sold out. And the Chicago Midwinter Meeting set up two other ballrooms in other parts of the meeting facility. And they televised in, in real time, they televised what we were doing on stage to these uh, anterooms uh, so that a, a couple thousand other dentists could see it. But uh, that was actually 1986. Wow. 
How's that for an interesting bit of trivia? Well, well we are coming up on 30 years of Sarek, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was uh, the computer that ran it, you know, took, uh, it was about the, the size of uh, three refrigerators, if you can imagine that. Um, I, I can. Yes. <laughs> hey, so let's talk about uh, about about CAD CAM and in particular about CERAC and uh, share your opinion about its application for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I'd like to start by saying, you know, I'm biased towards CERAC, not financially, but clinically and certainly as a speaker advocate. Uh, I, I do believe there are many good systems out there. So I encourage people to do something digital. But obviously, personally, I'd love for them to do CERAC. Uh, so I'm not against some of the other systems, uh, as some people may be. But, you know, for me, CEREC has been, you know, it's, it's slowly changed my practice. Uh, we've, we've gone from doing inlay, onlay crowns with it. We don't do many inlays, but onlays and crowns with it to doing some anterior, select anterior restorations with it. Uh, and really in the last three or four years, it's really changed, uh, our digital implantology, uh, as it's gone down that road. So, you know, what I tell people is uh, CEREC isn't what you looked at two years ago or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not remotely the same as, as you looked at two or three years ago. And if you commit to it and back to that commitment mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, acceptance. The polar bear swim. <laughs> yes. If you commit to it, it, it will take you uh, to places that, uh, that you didn't the dream were possible for your practice. Um, and patients love it. You know, here's my challenge to everybody listening. Um, if you ask every one of your patients that you're doing an indirect procedure on, if you ask every one of them, if I could get this done without any compromise in quality and get this done in a single visit, would you pay a little bit more for it or would that interest you? Uh, my guess or bet would be 90% would say, yes, it interests them. And 50 to 75% of them would say that I'd even pay a little bit more mm-hmm. to have it done in a single visit. Yeah, when you factor in the the uh, value of a person's time, and and Tarun, I want to emphasize that that does not assume that your patients have to be executives or you know professionals. Pr- uh, probably more so that if they're not executives, exactly. executives make their own schedule. <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm talking about moms who uh, you know their time is their greatest commodity, and if they could reduce it down, uh, you know what was what used to be two visits to one visit, you have a raving fan there, I'm sure. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 
3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and what happens is, you know, people hate the temporary, they hate coming back. And, you know, I, what I, what I tell everybody is, is, you know, um, we always say, oh, it's just a 15, 20 minute appointment for the patient, but it's not really that it's, they got to get a babysitter if they're, Mm -hmm. if they're a stay at home mom, or they got to ask their boss for another couple of hours off of work. They've Mm got to get into the car and drive there and park and then they got to get this work done and they got to leave with a numb lip depending on what you're doing. And then they got to go back to work and mentally get back into the frame mind, the mind mindset of going to work. Uh, d- dentistry is disruptive to people's lives. I mean, from a, from a work perspective. So anything you can do to make it easier for them. And quite honestly, I think it's better clinical dentistry. When you can bond and seal a tooth in a single visit, to me, that's better than putting a leaking temporary on the tooth for two or three weeks. Right. It's it's just better dentistry. Drew, you know that uh, as part of my history that uh, I taught for eight years with Dr. David Hornbrook at uh, at PAC Live up at University of Pacific. And uh, we had uh, 24 clinical instructors uh, as, as part of our instructor faculty in that program. And where I started to get really excited about CEREC is when our instructors, now these are all dentists that would consider themselves to be aesthetic dentists. Oh yeah, the high-end uh, dentists. High-end dentists, they're, they're, they're uh, either accredited by the AACD or, or very close to, you know, they're working on becoming accredited by the AACD. They have a very fine-tuned uh, set of eyes, uh, very high standards. When I started to notice our instructors investing uh, in CERAC, that's when I started to realize, oh, wait a minute, the quality was there. Can you um, debunk uh, an urban myth in the urban myth that I, for the uninitiated, I hear when I'm lecturing, well, the quality just isn't there. Can can you debunk that for just a minute? Well, all I can do is tell you that it's you know I you know <laughs> I I don't get it. I mean, look, I mean I I take great personal. I, I hate it when somebody says that to me because then what you're saying to me to my face <laughs> is that I do bad dentistry. You're, you're compromising. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and listen, I work under either a four X loop or a ten X microscope for most of my restorative work, even. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I would say that our margins are fantastic. Our fit is fantastic. Our contacts are fantastic. Our aesthetics are pretty nice, and it's what you make of it. I can make our aesthetics unbelievably fantastic if I want to spend a little bit more time doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, listen, this tech, we're beyond that at this stage of the game. We're beyond. I think we the, should be beyond that. I think the comments have to do with perhaps earlier generation. Yeah, um, of course. You know, perhaps someone you know once saw an, a real early generation uh, a CAD CAM crown, and it just wasn't up to the same, you know, aesthetic standards. Wasn't up to the same anatomy. Uh, plus, we have the advantage of materials today. Uh, there's some cool materials that are available. Oh, absolutely. And you know, honestly, you know, this is before my foray into CEREC is is those used to be cemented in a sea of composite. I mean, <laughs> good point. So if you look at CEREC restorations from more than say beyond 12 years ago those were that technology was older i mean the margin marginal integrity wasn't there we were taught to ultrasonic composite in to make them fit and to seal the margins with composite so that technology is that that class of material has gone and our technology has dramatically changed i mean listen at the end of the day what i tell people let's say that cad cam doesn't work i said then you must not send any work to laboratories (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Good point. <laughs> because laboratories are doing the same thing. They may have different machine and some of their right. machines may be, you know, a, a little bit different or have different characteristics. But then the day it's CAD cam. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's the same concept. I, I know, uh, Tarun, you have a business mind as, as well. Talk about the economics uh, for just a minute of, of CEREC. Uh, economically, uh, there's a pretty strong case to be made for, uh, for CEREC, correct? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you think about it, number one, you don't take an impression. The average impression costs 20 bucks, 20 to $25 to take. Mm-hmm. And, and people argue with me on that. And then I say, listen, you have a tray. That tray costs a buck. Mm-hmm. You have high heavy body impression material that costs about $20 a tube. You have a tip that goes on it that costs about 75 cents. Then you have light body impression material that costs about 20 bucks a tube. It has a tip on it. And then the tip of that has another tip. So each of those costs 75 cents. You know, so by the time you add up all the costs, an impression costs you 20 to $25. And that's assuming you get it right the first time. Right. Uh, then you have the cost of your provisional. And I ask everybody, how do you take your provisionals? How do you make them? And they'll say, well, we take a pre-op impression. So, okay, so you've got another tray <laughs> yep. with another set of impression materials. And then you have your, your provisional bisacryl, uh, which comes out of a gun, which is $130 a tube. And it has a tip on it that costs about 75 cents as well. You know, so, and, and then, you know, what people rarely factor in is the cost of a second visit. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's, that cost is, you know, it's, it's actually a significant cost because you have to tear down a room, you have to reset up a room and tear it down again. Well, Rella, Rella Christensen has reported that uh, in terms of infection control costs, that it, it costs your office $25 to put a patient's butt in your chair. At least. It, it, and that's a conservative number. Yeah, that's very conservative because, you know, because we all, we, we have a team member that will call and confirm an appointment. Mm-hmm. You will have somebody maybe that will call and change an appointment that takes another 10 minutes of your team member's time. So those things all add up. And then, you know, the materials that we have to wrap, we, we like wrap the whole office, for God's sake, for a patient <laughs> to come in. Yeah. And uh, so you know, those those things aren't factored in. And this is even before we got to the majority of the cost, which is, you know, what you were paying a lab before uh, yeah. versus what you're paying for a block of, of material. What's your block cost today? Uh, with, what, with I tell, what I tell everybody is on average, um, my calculations have a restoration costing about 30 to 35, 30 to $40 in material costs. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a real world number. Yeah, I mean, because you have your block, you have your resin cement, you have the burrs that wear and tear on your burrs, you know, some some lubricant that you use in your milling machine. So it works about $30, $35, somewhere in that ballpark mm-hmm. per restoration that you fabricate. So now you can, uh, if you're listening to this, you can do your own math and figure out how many units a month you'd have to do uh, to be ahead of the game with CEREC, not even counting, you know, the, uh, the other benefits of, uh, you know, the marketing benefits of single visit restorations or anything else. I mean, a, a rough number that I tell everybody to, that I, when I'm working with people or talking with people is, is it's about $150 savings per restoration. By the time you factor in your impression, your provisional, your lab fee and all of that, and then you subtract out your cost of your disposable materials and using CEREC, in other words, the block and everything, it's about $150 per restoration. Now, I'll ask you, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask this question because I get it all the time at courses. What about multiple units? Of course, we can do multiple units with it. Just mill things. I mean, absolutely. Why? Why would that be any different? Exactly. But there's a, there's a, a again a bit of an urban myth out there. Well, you can't use it for multiple units. That's not true. <laughs> uh, it's actually probably more efficient to to do multiple units. You can prep one while it's milling. Prep the other one. By the time you're finished prepping that one, it's out of the machine. You cement it. The other one's finished milling. You cement that one. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Right. Right. I mean, all, all these things typically come 
from people that have not looked at the technology with any seriousness in the last few years right. and or these are the people that just want to naysay everything. I mean, they'll tell you that resin, resins are bad and only amalgams work for patients. <laughs> I have heard that. <laughs> I have heard that. And then you mentioned your third, the third technology uh, that you wouldn't want to practice without is CBCT. Yeah, uh, cone beam, yeah. Uh, 3D imaging. Oh, God, we could go on for hours on that one. Um, so for, for me, that has changed the game. But now uh, let's talk about um, some of the applications you found for it that maybe you didn't expect going in. Yeah. What were some things that uh, sort of became enlightening to you as you started to play with the technology? Well, I bought it simply to do implants. That's right, what I right. bought it for. Um, what, I, what I call a side effect, and the analogy I always use is, you know, you take medications and they're built for one thing and they find out the side effect is something else. You know, and to me, the side effect of cone beam was diagnostics. I mean, I, I didn't know much about it. I didn't care. To be honest, with you, I didn't care much about it. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's probably something we use more on probably every single patient that walks in is the 3D diagnostics and what we can see and what we can share with our patients that we weren't seeing before. Lesions on teeth, mm -hmm. uh, you know, periapical infections, uh, the number of canals in a molar. You know, the airway, the size of the airway, whether it's collapsed or not collapsed, the sinus, is there, is, are there things going on in the sinus? Uh, you know, just different things. When people come in and have pain, you can look at the TMJ joint. You can look at so many different things uh, that, honestly, I, I didn't even know existed. It kind of makes you scratch your head about uh, what were we doing before. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here, bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one -on -one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. <laughs> well, you know, 2D images, 2D imaging has hit the end of the road of what it's capable of. Yeah. I mean, we've we've really maxed it out in what it can do, the size of it, all of those things. I mean, even even digital. I mean, we we're pretty much at the point of what we can get out of 2D. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, this becomes a nice uh, transition into, uh, into dental implants. Yeah. Um, and so I, I know, uh, uh you're passionate about uh, helping your patients uh, restore their health with uh, dental implants, whether it be a single, uh, missing a single tooth or, uh, patients that are completely edentulous. Uh, talk about your perspective of, uh, uh general dentists and, and implant dentistry. Boy, we can, <laughs> I'll have, I have to be careful not to say something inflammatory. Um, <laughs> I can, I can edit. <laughs> Here's what I believe. I believe that the implant process should be controlled by the general dentist. And why do I say that? Because no, very few patients come to any office saying, I want a full head of implants or I need an implant. What they really want is a tooth. And that implant needs to be placed in a position that supports the tooth. Now, some dentists will place, some general dentists will place the implant themselves and some won't. Mm -hmm. But to me, that process needs to be controlled by the general dentist. Um, and, and you're right. The patient doesn't want an implant. They want a tooth. They, very few people walk around with just an implant in their head. I mean, they, they really want a tooth. There. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they could care less if you put the implant in upside down as long as they get the tooth. Um, and, and another interesting fact is, um, and, I, and I quote Glidewell from this, uh, Glidewell Dental Lab is, mm -hmm. and in their laboratory, and they're good, they're good uh, uh, number to do this from because they're one of the world's largest labs uh, and a good cross-section, a little over 90% of their implant restorations are one or two teeth. Ah, you know, I've had, uh, uh, Mike, uh, Dr. Michael Detola on uh, the show a couple of times and, uh, he's a great friend and, uh, he's kind of, uh, uh, let us, uh, peek inside the kimono at, uh, what they're doing out there at Glidewell. So, uh, I, I would absolutely uh, trust their statistics for sure. That's interesting. Yeah. 90%, a little over 90% are one or two teeth. Mm -hmm. And what that tells me is that, I mean, that that's right in the wheelhouse of a general dentist. Now, do I think general dentists should be doing every implant? Of course not. You know, what I set a target at, and we've exceeded this in our practice, um, but what I set a target for with most, uh, with most dentists that we work with is, listen, if you can do 50% of the implants that walk through your office, you're doing pretty damn good. Ah, so, okay. So, so let's say that you need to do 50% of the implants. Now figure out what it takes to do that. You know, go along the way. And where I look at cone beam is, it's, it's, the analogy is, it's like doing endo without ever looking at an x-ray. I mean, how many of us that do molar endo, the first thing we do is we decide, can I do this molar endo? We look at an x-ray. Mm -hmm. And we can't really do that in implantology with traditional x-rays, but we can with 3D imaging. You can measure, you can virtually plan. I can have my patient in the hygiene room, in the hygiene chair, and within a matter of 30 to 60 seconds, I can say, Mrs. Jones, you're a great candidate for an implant. Oh, Mrs. Jones, I'm going to need to do a bone graft. Mrs. Jones, listen, I'm going to send you to my specialist. This is not an implant you want me to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and within 30 to 60 seconds, I can give them a definitive answer on what's possible. You know, uh, when I was at PAC Live, uh, Tarun, um, I was uh, noticing, as I work with a lot of oral surgeons, I lecture every year at, at Amos and work with a lot of oral surgeons. And one of the things I noticed uh, many years ago was that it, it didn't seem to me like the aesthetic dentists were, were talking much with the oral surgeons and the, the implantologists out there. And so uh, I wanted to change that. So I invited uh, Dr. Peter Shear. Peter's a uh, very prominent oral surgeon uh, out of the Palm Desert area. He, he lectures internationally on dental implants. I invited Peter to come up to PAC Live and talk about dental implants, you know, from the surgical perspective. And it was so cool because now all of a sudden we had cosmetic dentists talking to, to, to uh, you know, this world-renowned implant uh, dentist. And uh, uh, it was cool for each one 
to understand the other's challenges, you know? And so, uh, you know, Peter talked about what he needed in terms of uh, strength and, and, uh, positioning. And then our aesthetic dentist would talk about what they needed in terms of aesthetics. And, uh, it created a wonderful collaboration that I think, uh, we're seeing more of that today. So I like what you said, you, you know, you're not talking about having to do every implant that walks no, through the door. You, you, you can't, I mean, you, you literally can't. I mean, they're a specialist for a reason. Okay, they're A, they're very good at what they do surgically. B, they're more trained than us at handling medically compromised patients. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't want to be sedating or doing work on a 90-year-old person. <laughs> In the, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's not my idea of fun. Wait, that's not a fun day for you? <laughs> no, it's not. You know, and, and so, so we cherry pick and pick. choose. Cherry we, pick. we pick and choose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And my specialists are okay with that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're okay with that. Well, you've, I mean, got, you've got a great uh, community of specialists there in the, in the greater Raleigh area and, and, you know, as do many of our listeners, you know. Uh, but also many of our listeners are in places where they don't have access to specialists. Uh, and that's even more reason for them to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, hey, hey, Turin, uh, as we're kind of coming to the finish line here, can mm-hmm. I put can I put you on the spot for just a minute? It scares me a little bit. <laughs> well, we can always edit it if you give me the wrong answer. But uh, hey, it, it occurs to me that uh, one of the topics that I want to uh, talk to you about is efficiency, uh, you know, business and clinical efficiency in the office. And uh, we don't have time to do that in this interview. Could we get you back sometime to do a, another show on, on clinical and business efficiency? You don't have to ask twice. Just ah, tell me cool, when. cool, cool. Well, hey, before we part today, I've got one more question for you. And we okay. didn't talk about this ahead of time, so I'll put you back on the uh, back in the hot seat. Is that all right? I can deal with it. So reflect back. Uh, we have a wide variety of listeners to the Thriving Dentist Show. Uh, we have we have dentists throughout the entire range in their career. But uh, uh, imagine you uh, being a very young, freshly minted dentist. What would you tell a younger version of yourself about our profession? Oh, I love our profession. It, it is, um, you know, I decided I want to be a dentist when I was in eighth grade. So I absolutely love, cool love this profession. Um, you know, I went to a six year dental program straight out of high school. I graduated dental school when I was 23. Um, I, I really love, love, I love our profession. And, you know, what I would tell other people is, is love it. I mean, it is, um, it is anything you want it to be. I mean, that, that's what I, everybody about dentistry. It's my ability to be a quote unquote healer and work with people and be a healthcare person. My ability to be a businessman and and own a business and run a business. My ability to be charitable and give back to the community. My ability to, uh, to take care of my family and take care of myself to retirement. My ability to constantly improve myself. I mean, I'm not the same dentist today as I was even a month ago mm-hmm. and certainly not 15 years ago. And, and what's available to us in education and the money that we set aside every year to, to take additional education, not just for myself, but for my team members as well. I would say that's probably more important education than what I take. You know, it, it is what you make of it. But, you know, the biggest lesson I got uh, and I, and I've told this story before and I'll, I'll share it with your listeners Please. is the biggest lesson I got, uh, when I got out of dental school was, uh, my grandfather was disappointed in me. I, and, and by that, I mean, uh, you know, I graduated school. I mean, I graduated in the bottom third of my class. He didn't need to know that, but you know, he was, he was disappointed because but can I, can I share a quick joke though? Go ahead. Of course. Um, do you know what they call the, uh, the dentist that graduated last in his class? Yeah. DDS. Doctor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go ahead, continue. So, you know, um, he believed in lifelong education. 
He believed that you become the most specified, spe- specialist, educated person in your profession. And, and that's, that was the goal that he said. And I wanted to be a general dentist. I wanted to be a, a general dentist, a business person, and all those things. And uh, you know, when I graduated dental school, um, my parents you know, said to me, listen, you know, we, can, you know, we can buy you a TV and all these things, but they're useless things. And we're not buying you a car or anything crazy like that. Uh, what they did was they gave me a gift of a dollar amount. It was about ten thousand uh, dollars, and they said, uh, "This is yours. Here's the only rule: since you were too uh, dumb to get into the specialty school, um, <laughs> they said uh, our only rule is you have to use this to take advanced education in the, within the first year that you graduated dental school." Wow! And and that that education that I took in the first year, and I happened to take classes from Ross Nash and Bill Dickerson at LVI and David Hornbrook and Larry Rosenthal, and those are the kind of people that I took education from within you know within six months of six to nine months of graduating school, and it really just jump tracked me on, on fast tracked me onto many of the things that I got to do in my life and uh, and and the passion that I have for dentistry and and dentistry is what you make of it. It's um. I wouldn't choose another profession again. I would love for my kids to be dentists. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do very much differently, to be honest with you. Well, I think you can tell that uh, Tarun and I are simply brothers from a different mother. Yes, <laughs> we yes. feel the same way. And uh, every time we get together, uh, it is just a wonderful, exhaustive uh, time to uh, share our passion for this wonderful profession. Uh, Tarun, we are going to have you come back. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I know our, our listeners would uh, would like to get in touch with you. Uh, uh, if they'd like to reach out and, and send you an email, what would be a good way for them to uh, to reach out to you? Yeah, so um, a couple of different ways. One is email. Uh, it's Dr. A at RaleighDentalArts.com. Uh, and probably the easiest way to get in touch with me and to keep in touch with me is through Facebook. Um, if Perfect. you just search me on Facebook, I'm constantly putting uh, different things uh, dental related on our Facebook page. And it's a great way, you know, we all have smartphones in our pockets. I think they're sewn in to our pockets and soon they'll be slapped around our wrist. <laughs> exactly. With, this, with these watches. I ordered, I ordered uh, so, mine today. <laughs> yeah. Same, you know, same here. So, um, uh, you know, that's, that's really the best way to get in touch with me is through Facebook, tell you what I, social media. I tell you what I'll do for our listeners. Uh, if you're driving, don't, don't take your hands off the wheel. Uh, I will put, uh, Tarun's contact information in the show notes. Uh, you can get the show notes at, uh, some of you subscribe to this through iTunes or Stitcher radio. If you'd like to get access to the show notes, go to my website, which is Takas, T-A-K-A-C-S, Learning Center. Dot com. Again, that's Takas, T-A-K-A-C-S, learningcenter.com. Uh, I'll put uh, Trun's email address. I'll also put his link uh, to his Facebook uh, page on there so you can just uh, connect with him in one click. Uh, and and Trun, just for, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about this in our next interview, but uh, I know you're doing some kind of cool things with some uh, uh, some coursework, especially combining CERAC and, and CBCT. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. We have a, a training center on, on the second floor of our office. Uh, and the reason I like that is one, I don't have to travel. Uh, but more importantly, beyond that, beyond the selfish reason, is it really allows people that come to the workshops. One, uh, we do a live patient at every class. So we'll, we'll get to watch through the microscope what I'm doing. And two, when they come in and as they have questions, instead of me just talking about it, I say, you know what, let me just pull up the patient. 
because I have full access to my entire patient library. And I can say, you know, you might ask me about an indentulous case and I'll say, you know what, let me just pull up XYZ patient uh, and let's take a look at it. Or, or, and it also allows them to sit down with my team and walk through the office. And, and I try to stay away at that time because I, w- I want them to just work with my team and ask them the tough questions. Do we re- does he really do it this way? Or how do you do it? You know, what's the key to success? Or what's the magic that's going on? And, and there's really no magic. It's just common sense to me. Um, so I really like them to be able to do that. And, and Raleigh is a great place. I mean, it's a nice, easy flight for most places in the, in the country. And uh, we, we have a good time. I uh, mean, it's, cool. it's always a lot of fun. Hey, Drew, I want to take a minute and say thanks. You know, uh, uh, I treasure our friendship. Uh, like I said, I feel like we're, uh, we're simply brothers from a different mother. And, and I want to thank you for all that you do for our profession. You're part of the new, uh, really leading edge uh, of dentistry, young dentists that are changing our profession. And I'm so excited that I can introduce you to our listeners. And uh, I can't wait to publish this one. So, uh, hey, uh, thanks. Thanks for all you do. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, and and thank you for for having a wonderful podcast. You know, it's uh, it's a great service, and I, and I know it's a lot of work. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a labor of love, though. You know, I I started this. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the truth, and I, I've said this uh, to others privately. I don't think I've ever said it publicly, but uh, I would do this uh, thriving dentist show podcast uh, just for the cool opportunity of talking to people like you. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, if nothing else, it keeps us all motivated. <laughs> it does. Thanks so much for listening to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal. Remember to keep striving for excellence, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, podcast family. T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.